Beautiful Rigor of Florida True Crime Podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. That is a Hollywood recreation of the 1986 FBI Miami shootout that happened on April 11th. That is the exact day that I am recording this podcast, the 36th anniversary of what the FBI calls one of the deadliest and most violent FBI episodes ever. It happened in a region of Dade County, Florida, in Pinecrest, and a small group of field agents for the FBI attempted to apprehend William Russell Maddox and Michael Lee Platt, who were suspected of committing a series of violent crimes in and around Miami. Now, although they had partially surrounded the suspects after maneuvering them off a local road, the agents quickly found that their firepower was outmatched by the weapons the suspects had in their vehicle. And during the gun battle, Platt in particular was able to repeatedly return fire despite sustaining multiple hits. Two special agents died from their wounds while five other agents were injured by gunfire. The shootout ended with both Maddox and Platt dead. The incident is infamous, one of the most violent episodes in the history of the FBI, and is still studied today. The scale of the shootout led to the introduction of more effective handguns in the FBI and many police departments around the United States. In all, eight FBI agents were involved in this mess, but Ed Morales was the man, the guy that saved the day, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Special Agent Ed Morales, who lived in Miami at the time and earned the FBI Medal of Valor for killing both of the suspects while you were badly injured. How are you today, first of all? Well, actually, I'm well. I'm I'm glad to be alive, really. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's hard to believe it's been 36 years, you know, uh, since the event happened. In some some, uh, some parts of it are like, it just happened yesterday. Other parts of it, thank God. Yeah. A little bit fuzzy. <laughs> so you knew these two guys, Platt and Maddox, were armed and dangerous and that they'd killed four people. And you thought they were going to go ahead and rob another bank, right? So you were able to, correct. you were trying to execute a traffic stop. Correct, correct. You know, we, we got real lucky that day because uh, Gordon McNeil had got a hunch uh, and thinking, hey, you know what, these guys are probably going to hit tomorrow. And it really was just a hunch. And he was right. They, they were out in a stolen car, and uh, they uh, were heavily armed when the, when the car stopped finally completed. Uh, and, uh, you know, the heavily armed part of it you know, came into play with the shootout. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm So there were eight agents at the scene, and two of you had Remington 870 shotguns in your vehicles. That was you and your was it your partner, McNeil? Yes, uh, he was the supervisor. And then three were armed with Smith & Wesson uh, 9mm semi-automatic pistols. That would be Dove, Grogan, and Reisner. And then the rest were armed with the Smith & Wesson revolvers. And you had two 357 Magnums and some 38 Specials. And despite all of the weaponry, the suspects, Platt and Maddox, did not listen to your guys' orders and your commands. And they started shooting, and you started shooting, and, and the two suspects kept firing even though they were hit, right? Human psychology, human physiology is a, is a is a strange thing, you know, because these two uh, bank robbers were shot initially at the beginning of the gunfight. But, you know, even though they were shot, they didn't go down, you know, especially Platt. Platt, Platt received a mortal injury, a fatal hit, but uh, he kept uh, fighting. You know, he, he fought for an additional two or three minutes, 
which uh, had a devastating effect on the arrest. Absolutely. Ed, again, tell us how you were injured. What happened? Oh, I, I took a rifle hit through my left arm. The way I look at it, if my left arm hadn't been directly in front of my chest at the, at the right place at the right time, you know, that, that rifle round would have hit me straight in the chest. And then secondly, I took a, a second rifle round through, through the left temple area, but it was just a grazing head wound. Oh, just rang your bell. So were you wearing, <laughs> were you wearing a Kevlar vest back in the 80s? You know, I, I was not wearing it. I had it in the, in the backseat of the car, and things happened so quickly that I, I didn't get a chance to, to put it on. I, I went for my primary weapon, uh, the shotgun first. And then by the time, you know, I, I had the shotgun ready, uh, we were already getting ready to do the car stop. So that's on me. You know, shame on me for not putting it on before. Yeah, but you <laughs> survived. And so uh, the FBI agents actually caused Platt and Maddox to crash into a tree in someone's front yard and they were pinned in the car between a parked car and the FBI car. But they had far superior weapons to you guys, right? Is that they had an advantage? Well, you know, superior only in the way that, you know, uh, when a man with a gun meets a man with a rifle, man, the, uh, the, the man with the rifle has the advantage. OK, so plus, you know, we, you know, with uh, six shot revolvers uh, against a, uh, an assault rifle with uh, 30 round magazines, I mean, if you, if you were a betting person, you'd, you'd bet on the guy with the rifle. So, uh, it, you know, it, it definitely had its advantages. But, you know, we had the numbers and we had the training and uh, we, we, we just persevered and fought on. Unbelievable. In the accident, some of the officers lost their weapons and one guy lost his glasses, right? Yes. Well, you know, uh, as, uh, as, as most people will probably agree, you really can't predict what happens in a car crash. When uh, we started doing the car stuff, they, they did not comply, so there was a series of crashes to get them to stop. And during these crashes, two of the agents lost their primary weapons. And then at the very end of the car stop, Ben Grogan uh, slammed on his brakes, and he lost his glasses, unfortunately. Ben was, was the best marksman on scene, but unfortunately, he uh, without his glasses, he really couldn't see very well, not well enough to shoot properly. I've been told that he couldn't see you know, 10 feet in front of him. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so there you are. Bullets are flying. You're injured. You're outside the vehicle? Yes, I'm, I'm on the sidewalk, yes. You got out of the vehicle. So what ended up happening? I know that you're the one who was wounded and you got the FBI Medal of Valor for killing both suspects, <laughs> even though you were badly injured? Right. What happened was uh, the shooting went on so long, you know, I, 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 had, I had enough time to, to regroup you know, to, to figure out what what had happened, because initially I didn't know what had happened. When I was shot, I felt no pain. So I didn't even know I was shot until I made a visual inspection. Oh, my gosh. So when I realized I was shot, you know, I said, well, that puts a whole different spin on, on survival. You know, so I was trying to uh, uh, focus on, on the actual gunfight as opposed to my wounds. So uh, the gunfight went on so long that I actually had, a, had an opportunity to, to try to flank uh, in other words, go around the side and and uh, and uh, address these two threats. So, uh, you know, I, I, I crawled on my back around the car and then I saw them. And uh, I said, well, I see them now. So I said, I got to use the shotgun to uh, to try to stop them. And uh, I used I fired the shotgun one handed. So that, that was quite a quite um, a feat, you know. It says you reached the driver's side door, extended your revolver through the window and fired your sixth shot at flat and it right hit. that was after my initial shotgun blast okay, okay? and, and uh, i didn't think that they were dead yet so i, I decided to stand up and, and then move in towards the car and i had my six shots so i, I fired one shot at a time obviously 
as I got closer to the car. And, and my last shot was right at the driver's side door in, into the driver uh, who was flat at the time. Yeah. So, Ed, did you know the, the incident lasted less than five minutes and that Correct. 145 shots were exchanged? Yes, thereabouts, yes. Oh, my God. And 10 people were involved. You had two suspects and eight FBI agents, of which you were one of them. Were all of you wounded? Oh, no, Special Agent Ron Reiser was the only one who was not wounded. What about Special Agent Manazi? He's the one that lost his weapon. So he was wounded at the initial stop, at the initial car stop. So uh, without a weapon, you know, he wasn't really, uh, he really couldn't add much to the, to the contest. Right. Oh, my gosh. So how many officers did you lose on that day 36 years ago today? We lost Ben Brogan and Jerry Dove, uh, unfortunately, yes. Oh, my gosh. And then how many others were injured? Five additional agents were injured. Uh, myself, uh, Gilbert Arantia, Ron, uh, John Hanlon, Gordon McNeil, and, of course, Richard Manazzi. That's a total of five. Wow. Wow. Man, Manazzi is the one that didn't fire any shots because he lost his weapon. Correct, right? You know, and he was in, he was wounded in the initial in the initial uh, car stop. So, what do you think about these two guys, Platt and Maddox? They, you know, had distinguished service records. They were honorably discharged. What happened to them? Why did they turn into well, these? You know, that, that's that, that's a, that's a great question. You know, unfortunately, I, I attribute it to human nature. I mean, really. I mean, if you look at a person, you know, you, you see the, the the exterior, you see the facade. And you wonder what's underneath, you know, and, and uh, thank God, you know, 90% of the uh, 90% of the people are, are good, decent people. The other 10%, you know, are can be a little sketchy <laughs> and yeah. some of them are, are, are downright violent, you know, so, but you know what though? I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe it was psychological. Maybe it was, I mean, who, who knows? Maybe it was financial. Uh, yeah. we, we really don't know. I mean, what makes somebody rob banks and what makes somebody kill other people? Yeah. I mean, who knows? So this was one of the most violent episodes in the history of the FBI, and they still teach about it. What did you learn from it? Well, you know, uh, that was one of the big ones. You know, I mean, uh, if, if my opponent has 30, a 30 round magazine and I have a six shot, I have to reload five times to fire 30 shots, you know? Wow. So while I'm reloading, you're still shooting at me. You know? <laughs> so so that, that was one thing. Secondly, was the type of weapons, you know, I mean, the, the, the actual weapons themselves. We, we transitioned from revolvers to semi-automatic pistols, high-capacity semi-automatic pistols. The other thing was the ballistics. You know, the, the uh, SWAT agents were using 9mm ammo, and at the very beginning of the sh- shootout, like uh, within the first 30 seconds or a minute, uh, Jerry Dove shot flat through, through the chest, and it, it, that was a fatal hit. But it didn't stop him immediately. Huh. So we, the the bureau of law enforcement, started looking at looking into ballistics, and we also started looking into uh, arming uh, agents with long weapons. You know, uh, after the incident, about a couple of years afterwards, the FBI bought enough uh, shotguns and, and uh, MP5 submachine guns to give every two agents one or the other. So I mean, they they spent a lot of money, you know, uh, trying to arm. Uh, agents uh, better. Good. And then there was the the other side of the, the other side that the, the hidden side, I guess you call it, the psychological side of uh, uh, survival. I mean, wound ballistics. You know why why did Platt, even though he was fatally shot, why did he keep fighting? You know how did he keep fighting? Right. And uh, you know that that's something that uh, people people are still studying today. Why does one person get shot mortally shot 
and keep fighting and somebody else is just uh, mildly wounded and quits. You know, that's, that's a big psychological question. You know? right. so I, I, don't th- I, <laughs> I think we're getting closer to answering it. You know, it, it boils down to character and training right. and, and perseverance. Were they wearing vests at all or no? No, no, they, they didn't have any body armor at all. So, you know, Plath's actions at the moment of the fight that it's being debated, like you're saying, a civilian witness described him as leaving the car, walking almost 20 feet, even though he's been shot, you know, fatally, and firing at you three times at close range. But you don't remember that happening, right? Nope. I, I, you know, I never saw it. And because of the uh, physiological response to, to being injured, I got what's called auditory exclusion. In other words, I lost my hearing and I didn't hear the, the gun shots. And I and since I had my since I had my back towards the, the, the area where the subject was sitting. I never saw it. Wow. But uh, a civilian witness saw it and Gordon McNeil heard it, you know, so uh, I, I guess it happened. You know, for me, it's no harm, no foul because he didn't touch me. Well, I I feel just honored to be able and lucky to speak with you. Also, I wanted to ask you quickly about, I know you're busy and it's an anniversary. You're speaking to someone today? I'm actually addressing uh, a group of Marines that are graduating today uh, at Quantico Marine Corps Base. Oh, my God. You're just amazing. At the same time, then you had some Metro-Dade police officers, Rick Fry and Leonard Figueroa and Martin Heckman that arrived on the scene. And Heckman basically covered McNeil's paralyzed body with his own... Yes. Wow. That's really courageous. Oh, very, very much so. Uh, his partner, uh, Leo, uh, covered him while he did that, you know. So, I mean, they were working as, as a team, you know, so that, that that says a lot for teamwork. Yeah, man. It's really amazing that you survived. Now, the paralyzed individuals, you've had two dead in this, but the injuries to the other officers, some of them paralyzed and had really critical injuries. You know, the only one who was paralyzed temporarily was Gordon McNeil. Okay. He, he, uh, he, he took a, 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 a ricochet or a, a rifle round, dicked his spinal cord, which obviously, you know, affected the nervous system for, he, he, uh, he was partly paralyzed for several weeks. And then eventually, he, you know, when the nerves, uh, when, when the, the, the shock to the nervous system recovered, he was able to, to function. He was able to move. Yeah. And so finally, and we're speaking with Ed Morales, he has earned the FBI Medal of Valor for killing both suspects in this like worst day for the FBI. It happened in Miami. You see other issues in the aftermath of the shooting. You uh, have to look for felons who might be armed with firearms during their crimes because you had a firearm, but you couldn't reach it, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, I had a shotgun, yes. But you couldn't reach it, right? Yes. And so looking back, knowing how ruthless these guys were and armed to the teeth, would you guys have pulled them over in a traffic stop if you'd really thought about it? Oh, you know what, though? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't I don't think knowing what we know now, if we had to do it over again, we would do it again. You know, uh, except this time, the second time around, we would do it more uh, harsh or or more dynamic, I guess you would say we would uh, we would, you know, we would be, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, police officers don't shoot people down in the street. But knowing what I know now, with these two guys, if I had to do it over again, I would be very tempted to open fire on them first. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if, you know, they got the advantage because we're the good guys. We, Gordon McNeil and Ben Grogan were actually yelling at them after, at, uh, when everything was stopped, yelling at them, FBI, police, Put your hands up. Put your hands up. And they responded with gunfire. 
So uh, <laughs> I think uh, if we had to do it over again, I would say, okay, forget, forget the, put your hands up. <laughs> <laughs> Just go in guns blazing. And yeah. <laughs> well, were you in a residential area? I mean, were there, there were people around, right? There were Correct. civilians. You know, thank God. Thank God we were on a quiet side street uh, in, in Sunnyland. Uh, because if we had been on, on cause we, we had been on us one down in the, uh, in the, uh, Sunnyland area. Uh, I can't even begin to imagine what, what would have happened if we had stopped these guys in a shopping mall or, or on, on, uh, us one. I mean, it would have been a whole different set of, set of circumstances. And at the time, did you know that these two Platt and Maddox had killed so many people? Yes, we did. We we knew we knew that they had killed at least four people, wow. and they had shot up uh, several banks. You know, so yeah, we knew they were violent. You know, but again, we're the good guys. We have to give people a chance to give up. You know, as opposed to just riding in. You know, and and, and shoot, shoot, shooting up the countryside. You know, that would make it. That would make us just like them. You know, so wow. so that's why we're the good guys. Well. <laughs> I'm honored to speak with you. I know you need to go and address the Marines, which is so cool. But Ed Morales, thank you for your service. We cannot thank you enough here in South Florida. And I'm so glad that you survived. And and thanks to the FBI on this anniversary. You're welcome. If I can say one last thing, if you'll permit me. It's hard for me to put this in words, but I'll just say it the way I feel. Uh, You know, I, I showed up. I showed up for the shooting. I showed up at the shooting. But the real heroes in this in this case are Ben Grogan and Jerry Dove. Okay, they're my heroes. They there was a line in the sand, and they were standing on that line. They never stepped back. They never withdrew in the face of withering gunfire. Okay, and they uh, delayed the subjects long enough for me to be able to, to flank them and, and and come around them on the side and end the gunfight. So. I just want everybody to know it's not about Ed Morales. It's about Ben Grogan and Jerry Dove. Yeah, those are the two heroes and those are the two we lost. Yes, <laughs> you're right. They gave the ultimate sacrifice. And thank uh, you. Absolutely. Thank you for that final word because it's super important. I okay. so appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. So that's an angel that walks the earth. Thank God for him. I just want to give you a little background on these two bad actors, Maddox and Platt. They both served in the military. Both were honorably discharged. They started to work together when they were in the military police unit. Platt applied for the Army Airborne Ranger training and subsequently entered the Air Assault School, and Maddox was a Marine. They both met their wives in the service, and then, for some reason, Both their wives died under violent circumstances. Maddox's wife was a retired Army specialist, and she and a female co-worker were working in a cancer laboratory at Riverside Methodist Hospital in Columbus. They were murdered. Both were bound and gagged. Their throats slashed. Maddox reportedly told investigators he suspected Platt had carried on an affair with his wife. Maddox was a suspect in the murders, but was never charged. And then Platt's wife, Regina, whom he had married nine years earlier in 75, was found dead from a single gunshot blast to the mouth. Her death was ruled a suicide. <laughs> Jeez. 
These guys were bad hombres. And before embarking on their crime spree, neither Platt nor Maddox had a criminal record, despite all the dead ex-wives. And at the time of Platt's killing, his second wife, Brenda, claimed that she had no idea that her husband and his friend were armed robbers. They knocked over several banks and armored vehicles, killing guards. They also murdered a guy who was target shooting at a rock pit in the Florida Everglades. They shot another guy in the same rock pit, but he survived. So they definitely knew their way around guns. And they used them often until they ran into Special Agent Ed Morales. So cool to be able to talk to him. You know, there was a film that was made about this event. It was called In the Line of Duty, The FBI Murders in 1988. And you believe they actually live in our neighborhood? I'm absolutely convinced of it. We're burned. They know we're onto them. Reminds me of my book, The Accuser, the true story of the Big Dan's gang rape victim, Cheryl Arujo. Happened in 1986. Movie made, The Accused, in 1988. Same thing, except Cheryl was dead here in Miami. She died in an accident in Miami. I wrote a book about it. It is now available on Amazon or anywhere you can buy your books. I'd appreciate it if you pick up a copy because I put my heart and soul in this book and I'm trying to help her daughters who survived the accident that she was killed in. So again, the book is called The Accuser. Check it out. Also check me out on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast. Download and subscribe to Full Rigor Podcast on any podcasting platform. And please give me five stars and a glowing recommendation if you liked my episode. Thanks so much. That wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. Thanks for listening. Until next time.